I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. And the, the question or the statement of the song is good. Farther along, we'll understand it, because sometimes... We don't understand what's going on in this world today. We don't, why does the things happen that happen? And, and how do we do that? And how do we get through? Uh, sometimes we do see evil succeed and, and prosper and, and good people that we love and care for go through hard and difficult things. That's, that's one of the stresses in this world and the things that we have to face and go through as, as we think through this. Uh, We've been looking at the book of Hebrews, and, and this letter or this sermon, or however you describe it, is written to people who are asking similar questions as they faced persecution because of their faith, as bad people are giving them a hard time for, for believing in Jesus. They're saying, is this even worth it? Should I just let it go? And, and again, the, uh, the point of the song is to say, we'll get it, but in the meantime... Remember what it is that we hold on to and believe. What have we learned about Jesus? And, and this letter is to people from a Jewish background and, and some of them who are tempted to go back to, to just their synagogues and, and, and to let go of Jesus as Savior. And, and he says, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Remember who Jesus is. Yeah, there's lots of great things within our Jewish heritage. There's angels that, that, that come and they talk and we see them throughout the scriptures. There's Moses who rescues the people from, from Egypt and, and bring them to the promised land. There's Joshua who brings them rest. There's this whole system of getting people right with God, the temple and the sacrifices and, and uh, the high priest who stand before. But all those things are great and fantastic. But remember, when Jesus comes, he brings all of them together and completes them. Because what we have throughout the Old Testament, through the Hebrew Scriptures, is the picture that God has for how things are. But when Jesus comes, we have it for real. We have it once and for all. There's no need for sacrifices anymore because Jesus did it. And because of that, because of what Jesus has done, we have a freedom now. And as he says in the middle of chapter 10, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. This is that sacred part of the temple where only the high priest would go once a year. But because of what Jesus has done, the curtain is open and we can have access to God and his call for us is, so let's do it. Let's, let's draw near to God. And, and because we've been sprinkled and forgiven and changed because of what Jesus has done, and, and let's do that in community, and let's find ways to lift one another up and encourage each other and, and to spur us one another on in love and good deeds because that's what we do. That's what we're called to. That's how this works together. And he goes from there in chapter 11 to talk about what faith is. That faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen, as it says in the King James. 
And as he gives us this picture of faith, which is confusing on some level, right? Faith is substance of things hoped for. Okay, if I'm hoping for it, I don't have it. If I'm hoping to get a new bicycle for my birthday, well, I don't have it yet. I'm looking forward to it. But our faith is this thing we hold on to. The promises that God has made to us of what's going to happen, that we've been forgiven, and that our, our, our eternal security is set because of what Jesus has done. This, this is all settled. And our, by faith, we live this out. And, and chapter 11 is the great hall of faith chapter. All these people are described, people like, like Moses and Abraham and, and Enoch and on and on it goes, David and Samson, these are people who lived by faith, and at some point, yeah, they were not perfect necessarily, but by faith, they accomplished great things. So what do we do with this? And as we come to the 13th chapter of, of Hebrews, he kind of culminates all the things, all this good theology that we have, and says, now we do something about it. Because all of that, we can say, well, that's just, that's theology, and that's the words, and that's the beliefs, and all that. And, and the thing is, theology, if it's good at all, it, it needs to make a difference. Haddon Robinson, who is one of the, has been one of the, the great uh, teachers of preachers over the years, has written the seminal book on this. And uh, as he reflects on it, he says, if theology doesn't explain life, it's probably not worth the time it takes to study or to preach it. Theology isn't some abstract thing we put on the blackboard in a seminary and look at and argue about. Real theology is about how God intersects with our lives and how life looks when we take seriously that the God of the Bible is really there. And so, if God is really there... And if Jesus has really done all of these things on our behalf, what does that mean for us? And as he comes to chapter 13, he says, all right, this is what it's going to look like. And he gives us what, well, you could maybe call them some commandments or directions, but uh, sometimes those very words put us off, right? So, you know, commandments, oh, okay, yeah, there we go again. Now we're, well, now we're back to, you got the, the judge and the policeman, they're, they're just watching to find a way to trip us up. And, but we, we were watching this uh, video by Francis Chan earlier this week, and, and he does, does this beautiful job of describing what the commandments are. God who created us, who designed us, who made this world, says, this is how the world works. This, this world that I've set you up in, for you to live in this way, to know these things that matter, it's important to, to know that I'm the God who created, and, and, and so don't worship other gods but just me because they're not gods. And so all these ways of interacting with God and knowing him, but then also with one another, to honor mothers and fathers, to, 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 to not commit adultery, to not steal, to not murder, to not covet. He said, this is, how, this is how you live life well. This is how I want you to be. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, all right, because of what we now know of Jesus, because of all the things that have culminated in him and been completed by him, live this way. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, 
In Hebrews chapter 13, this is what he writes. First of all, verse 1, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly confess his, profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. We'll stop there. And, and, and this list here throughout this this. This passage, there's like 13 different directions or imperatives or commands that, that give us instructions. And the first ones in verses 1 to 6 uh, give us instructions about love and purity. That the things that should characterize you, and again, all of this builds upon the things that have been talked about Jesus throughout this entire letter or this entire sermon from verse chapter 1 through verse chapter 10 is about Jesus and what he's done. And because of that, because of the access we now have, because of the things that have happened in our life, well, how do we do this? Well, we do this together, loving one another, as brothers and sisters, of finding ways within the community of faith to, to stay connected, to talk with them, to look out for one another, that we are doing this together. We're not on an island by ourselves. We're on an island together. We do this together, brothers and sisters, invoking this idea and picture of family. Our Heavenly Father, our brother Jesus, these are, are the words that are described for the church family. It's not an organization, it's not an institution, but it's family. It's God working in us and, and working alongside us. And so, Primary in this is, is to follow the words of Jesus. When Jesus was with his disciples at the Last Supper, which we're going to remember here in a, in a couple minutes, uh, he says, a new command I give you, 
love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In this way, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. First commandment, love one another. But then as we, as we do that, also be looking for the others who are not part of us to show hospitality to strangers. And, and these are characteristics that, that are to define and, and describe our lives. To be looking out for others. We love others as brothers and sisters. We look out for the stranger in our midst and, and if he has needs, to find ways to meet them. For the ones in prison, to visit them. Understanding that it could be us and what would we want if we were in prison? We'd want to have care and someone to be with us. In those prisons in those days, they didn't have the kind of supplies that they have. They wouldn't give you food and clothing necessarily. You'd have to be depending on other people to supply those. So, so to find ways to care for those who find themselves in prison, and as well as those who are being mistreated, most likely for their faith in the Lord Jesus. That's been a, a, an ongoing theme throughout this letter, is to look out for what's happening to the faith community, just by the fact that they're followers of Jesus. And so stand with them and find ways to care for those who are being mistreated, understanding it could be us. And again, what would I want if it was happening to me? So, so loving one another. And, and then also impurity in our lives. Uh, it talks about uh, keep the marriage bed pure of maintaining sexual fidelity. Uh, he brings up marriage and, and uh, these comments here about sex and, and the comments that follow this on money are, are ones that probably more than anything we find ourselves at a disconnect with society at large. But again, a lot of this goes to God's very design of us. If, if we believe that God exists, that he created all things, that he created us to be male and female, that he did that on purpose. And then as he tells the male and the female, the man and wife, to, to, to be one, that comes right away in Genesis chapter 2. That's God's design. And as people of God, to make sure that as we live our lives, this maintains high importance for us. Because as we see, the world at large is, is, is taking the the act of love and this thing which produces life and says, you know what? That's just a thing to be enjoyed and has no value outside of that. And God says, no. That is a gift I've given you, but I've put a boundary on it to protect you. Because this physical thing that we do in our lives is so tied up with our emotions and our spirits and how we live that, that he says, it's got to be protected. Because to use it haphazardly is, is, is to take it away from this, this thing that I've made it to be in your life. And so, so, so keep that area of your life pure. God's going to judge that immorality. Why? Because, again, his desire is for us to be people who know him and love him and walk with him and, and understand his heart. That when God says, this is how things are, when he ever gives us a commandment or precept, uh, there's always something behind that. Josh McDowell talks about the three Ps when he talks about this area. That, that there's a precepts and principles in person. That, that behind every precept, 
is a principle. So a precept would be a commandment. This one here, do not commit adultery. Oh, what, what could be the principle behind that? That faithfulness within the marriage is important to God. Oh, what about the person behind that? That God is one who loves and is faithful to his people. When God makes a promise, he keeps that promise. That when he designed the family, he made it the center of society. This is how life works. And so to treat the gift as if it's just a thing, but not part of this greater gift of life and community, is to cheapen it. He moves on there to money and just says, says for us to, to not let money be something, keep your lives free from the love of money and content with what you have. And again, the world at large says, get all you can. The one with the most toys at the end wins. This is, this is what life is about, getting more and more. And not, 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 Listen here, it, it, I'm not saying that having wealth is is by its own nature bad. Abraham was a very wealthy man. Many people in scriptures were wealthy. But what does the love of money do to our hearts and souls? If there is this striving for more and more in our lives, that's discontentment. And our writer here is saying, our hope and our faith is in God, right? Right? Chapter 11 is all about those who had faith in God and, and, and some of them had to go into situations where all they had really was God and that was the point. And so he reminds us of, of different themes from Scripture that God will never leave us or for, for, forsake us, that, that we can be content in whatever we have because God's presence is with us and, and he knows us and, and he will provide for us. And so... The love of money, which can be an idol in our life, we can take our distraction off of God and, and off of loving others, is something for us to be cautious about, to watch out for in our lives. And so again, those first six verses are about love and purity in our lives and how we, we deal with one another. And, and then moving on into to verses seven and, and the verses after that, it's, it's kind of about church life and he starts it off by saying to remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you and consider the outcome of their way of life. And uh, it's a reminder for us to, to think through the people who have influenced our lives spiritually, who have brought us to faith in Jesus in the first place, who, who have taught us things about what the faith is all about, to remember them and to consider them. If I'm going to ask you now, right now, who... Who is it that helped you come to faith in Jesus? Well, what was it about that person that you remember? What did they teach you about that? Was it the sermon or was it the time they spent with you? Was it sitting down with you and talking about your faith? Remember this person in your life or the people in your life. Uh, there are several men in my life who have had ex- uh, exceptional influence on me and guiding me and directing me and and as I contact with them occasionally, I, I'm reminded of what they've done on my behalf and who they are and, and much of who I am as a follower of Jesus and, and in pastoral ministry comes from watching and observing 
what they taught me about what life and faith is. And, and stay connected to that. And stay connected to the truth that they led you to. Because ultimately, that's what it's all about, right? It's not about them. It's about what they're pointing us towards. Because each of them and each of us, at some point, are going to stumble and fail and fall along the way. We're going to disappoint one another. That's just part of the game, isn't it? It's part of us striving to defeat sin in our life. So so if if we're placing hope in a person, we're going to be disappointed. But, But to whom are those leaders in our lives directing us to God himself, to the work of Jesus in our life. And, and that's the thing he wants us to remember. Because there's all kinds of things and strange teachings. And he's saying, avoid these things. Get away from these things in our life. Don't be, don't be carried away from them. He mentions specifically ceremonial foods and how, how following the practices of just doing this, it doesn't make you okay. Just doing this thing doesn't make you okay. It's about God's grace and what Jesus has done on your behalf. This is what matters. This is how it all comes together. What is it that God has done? What is it the truth of the word and the scripture is saying to us and to stay continued and, and uh, continuing and walking faithfully in that? And and as we do that, to continually offer a, a sacrifice of praise, to do good to and share with others. There's a story, uh, Jack Hinton, who is a pastor in, in New Bern, North Carolina, he was, he was leading worship on a short mission, short-term mission trip at a leper county in the, on the island of Tobago. Uh, there was time for one more song, and so he asked if anyone had a request, and a woman who had been facing away from the pulpit turned around. And Pastor Hinton said, it was the most hideous face I had ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips as well. She lifted a fingerless hand in the air and asked, can we sing, Count Your Many Blessings? Overcome with emotion, Pastor Hinton <laughs> left the service. And he was followed up by a team member who said, Oh, well, Jack, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again, huh? And, and Jack said, Well, yes, I will. But I'll never sing it the same way. Because this woman in this leper colony, with all the physical things that she was going through, says, let us sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and see what God has done. This is what characterizes us. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what's transpired, the difficulties, physical things we're going through, or, or losses or conflict, for us to be able to turn our focus and remember, this is what God has done. And to offer up lips that continue to give him praise, to give him glory. That's what characterizes our life. As the, as the letter comes to an end, he's got some final directions of reminding us, this is what it's all about again. In verse 18, first of all, pray for us. We're sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. 
Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with the word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. To close it out, he says, remember me in your prayers. As I've written, described all this wonderful stuff about what Jesus has done and accomplished, how all these things have culminated in him. Remember me, and, and I pray that I, I, I can be restored to you, that we can make our connections again. And then he reminds us, what is this all about? It's about Jesus. The blood that he sacrificed on our behalf. He's come through this again and again in this letter. He's talked about what Jesus has done, how he sacrificed himself, how his blood was spilt and shed that how what he does before God is lasting and sure. And he reminds us, this is important. Never forget. And, and so we come to this monthly so that we don't forget that the reason we gather here is just not for fellowship and community, though we do that, but it's fellowship and community that's centered around what God has done on our behalf. We're here because of what these represent. That when Jesus came to this earth, he spoke about God's kingdom. And he demonstrated what it was like to, to live faithfully, to not sin. But in the course of his teaching about the kingdom of God. Uh, he was arrested, he was beaten, and he was put to death. But all of this a part of God's purpose. A purpose, again, that our writer in Hebrews has, has demonstrated to us. Uh, his body was broken on our behalf. That's what he did for us. And so we, as God's people, take time to remember this freedom we have, this access we have to God, it cost. And so we say thanks. And as we close in prayer. Our Father, we do come before you this morning. We thank you for our brother Jesus, for what he's done on our behalf, for the gift that you've showered upon us. And as we take in our lives these symbols of Jesus' life, may we live them out. May we love as he loved. May we look out for others through hospitality and visitation and caring for others. In the purity and the choices we make in our lives, in the connection we make to one another, honoring those who have led us and guide us to know you and helping others to see who you are.
remembering what you've done. Thank you for this gift of life from Jesus. And we ask for your guidance and direction this day. We pray this in the name and the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.